Blog Talk Radio. You say, for more years of traps, not a price that you're willing to pay. You cry when you see breaking news, cause you know Trump's a really dumb guy. Why so sad? You know that we proved our derangement in 2016. Now he's making us mad. Remember, despite his arraignments, he's still there. We'll fight back on the show that is called Liberal Dan Radio. We'll fight back on the air. Call me up and show me that you care. Listens rise, ratings fall, and I'll keep broadcasting through it all. So subscribe, don't be late, and you'll hear me on Blog Talk Radio on Wednesday nights at 8. da 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 If I can hear myself now, I can hear myself now. So let's go ahead and mute me, and I'll go ahead and I will restart the show in three, two. That's weird. I'm getting a double. Ugh, this is aggravating. Because I'm hearing it on the other thing. Okay. So there we go. That's why. Anyway, so we're going to go back three, two, one. You say, for more years of traps, not a price that you're willing to pay. You cry when you see breaking news, because you know Trump's a really dumb guy. Why so sad? You know that we proved our derangement in 2016. Now he's making us mad. Remember, despite his arraignments, he's still there. We'll fight back on the show that is called Liberal Dan Radio. We'll fight back on the air. Call me up and show me that you care. Listens rise, ratings fall, and I'll keep broadcasting through it all. So subscribe, 
don't be late and you'll hear me on blog talk radio on wednesday nights at eight da 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 Now go away or I shall taunt you a second time. Thing that I've been saying. Okay, so we're going to start the show again in three, two, one. You say four more years of Trump's not a price that you're willing to pay. You cry when you see breaking news cause you know Trump's a really dumb guy. Why so sad? You know that we proved our derangement in 2016. Now he's making us mad. Remember, despite his arraignments, he's still there. We'll fight back on the show that is called Liberal Dan Radio. We'll fight back on the air. Call me up and show me that you care. Listens rise, ratings fall. And I'll keep broadcasting through it all. So subscribe, don't be late. And you'll hear me on Blog Talk Radio on Wednesday nights at 8. Da 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 Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left. That's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 914-803-4131. That's area code 914-803-4131. You can also listen uh, on the, in the chat room and leave your comments on the chat at Blog Talk with Liberal Dan. Uh, go to the episode page and make sure to sign in for a Blog Talk Radio account, and you'll be able to join us in the chat room. And finally, after uh, the show, if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can always leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc. on the show thread at liberalband.com, on facebook.com uh, slash liberalband, or at liberaldanradio on Twitter. Uh, 
uh, lots of stuff to talk about this week, uh, ignoring the fact that there were some technical difficulties at the beginning of the show. Oh, well, it is what – I'm sorry. Wait, I'm sorry. I'll have to let Donald Trump say it that. It is what it is. There you go. So, <laughs> anyway, so we have a lot of stuff to talk about. There's uh, – obviously, the Woodward tapes have – some of them have been released, and some more apparently going to be released over the weekend. But we'll listen to what we have at this time, and uh, we will uh, discuss the problems with that I'm having both with Trump and what Trump has said, and with actually some of the things with Woodward and what Woodward said as well, uh, and what he did, because maybe there's some problems there too. And there's also, um, you know, we have the press secretary who had to respond today, and and all the I, I do think that Kaylee McKinney is one of the best perps, people that Trump could have picked to be the, to be his press secretary. She was scrambling today. Oh, my goodness. She was so scrambling today. She was having some major difficulties trying to get over some of the things that was, were said. And also, Donald Trump was talking about a Supreme Court pick. If Durst was talking about the, the picks that he had done and how he named 300 more people to the federal bench, which is the more correct version of what he said previously when he said previously he said that he uh, – that he um, – what was it again? That he named 300 Supreme Court people, uh, people to the Supreme Court. Yeah, that, that's what he said earlier. So I mean, it is what it is. So, um, and, and what else? Because we test so COVID? much, we show cases. So we show many, many cases. Yes, because cases apparently are caused by uh, testing. But let's let's go ahead and listen to the Trump audio along, whatever. And I had to sit through it, but there's some points to be made during and after. So let's go ahead and listen to it, and we'll go from there. ...of justices for people to properly make a decision as to how they will vote. It is very important that he do so. My original list of potential justices include many of our nation's brightest legal minds, such as Bill Pryor, Amy Coney Barrett, and Thomas Hardiman, outstanding people. Like those distinguished individuals, the 20 additions I am announcing today would be jurists in the mold of Justices Antonin Scalia, Clarence Thomas, and Samuel Alito. Their names are as follows. Bridget Beatty of Arizona, judge on the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, Daniel Cameron of Kentucky, Attorney General of the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Paul Clement of Virginia, former Solicitor General of the United States. Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas. Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. Stuart Kyle Duncan of Louisiana, judge on the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Stephen Engel of the District of Columbia, Assistant Attorney General for the Office of Legal Counsel at the Department of Justice. Noel Francisco, former Solicitor General of the United States. Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri. James Ho of Texas, judge on the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Gregory Katsis of Virginia, judge on the District of Columbia Circuit 
Court of Appeals, Barbara Lugoa of Florida, judge on the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, Christopher Landau of Maryland, United States Ambassador to Mexico, Carlos Muniz of Florida, justice on the Supreme Court of Florida, Martha Packold of Illinois, judge on the District Court for the Northern District of Illinois, Peter Phipps of Pennsylvania, judge on the Third Circuit Court of Appeals, Sarah Pitlick of Missouri, judge on the District Court for the Eastern District of Missouri, Allison Jones Rushing of North Carolina, judge on the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals, Kate Todd of Virginia, Deputy Assistant to the President and Deputy Counsel to the President, Lawrence Van Dyke of Nevada, judge on the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Every one of these individuals will ensure equal justice, equal treatment, and equal rights for citizens of every race, color, religion, and creed. Together, we will defend our righteous heritage and preserve our magnificent American way of life. Thank you. God bless America. Thank you. And that, that's interesting uh, because the fact that he mentioned he, they will protect equal rights for citizens of the United States. And while uh, there are certain things that this president has done that has not uh, been in defense of equal rights under the law for people in this country, it's interesting that he puts that just citizens. If you're not a citizen, you still have rights in this country. And those rights should be protected and you should have equal protection under the law. Uh, where it's not otherwise specifically expressed in, you know, in the Constitution. Like, yeah, a non-citizen can't be president, and I think a non-citizen can't be elected to the House either, although you don't have to be a natural-born citizen to be elected to the House or the Senate or what have you. But the thing is that, you know, he's only – he's limiting his, his comments to citizens and not to the people living here, which are more than just citizens. So that's for, for a second of all um, – Ted Cruz and Todd Cotton are on the shortlist. Ted Cruz, really? I mean, with how badly he talked about, spoke about Ted Cruz during the 2016 campaign, you know, I was surprised to hear that he would be on the shortlist. There's that. Uh, but most importantly, I think, you know, is the fact that, you know, I've been tell, talking to people. And one of the things I've been telling people, especially on Twitter, uh, when having conversations and pointing out the importance of the Supreme Court picks and why, you know, people who might be a little bit more progressive than I am, you know, like people like Count Socialist, uh, Ryan Knight um, on Twitter, uh, people like him who, who one of the videos that I made recently, one of the Fat Man Rants was about and the people not wanting to vote uh, for Biden because they're upset that you know, Biden's not as progressive as, as they are. And one of the things that I've said is, look, you know, the Supreme Court is a very important thing that you need to take into consideration who is going to re- replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg because I would love to think that she would be able to last a very, very long time and be able to survive another four years. But, you know, I'd, I'd like her to be able to if, – if she would like to retire, I would very much like her to be able to retire earlier and maybe try to enjoy the last few years of her life without having to worry about, you know, whether or not Trump is going to replace her with somebody who's horrible. And one of the names that I brought up was Amy Coney Barrett, a pro-life person from Louisiana who, you know, is being – bandied around as somebody who was a possible replacement for especially Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the Supreme Court. And I think if, if you're not concerned about what Amy Coney Barrett is going to do on the Supreme Court, 
you're not paying attention to the Supreme Court. You're not paying attention to what things that she said at, with her judicial record. So there's that. Um, so that that's something that's very, very important to understand. I think there was also maybe an unintended pun uh, that he made at some point in there. Uh, what was it? What was it? Let, let me replay the beginning. I won't play, replay the whole thing simply because the fact that long and it was terrible. I'll have to listen to the whole thing. Um, what was it? Did he say again? Let's see. To properly make a decision as to how they will vote, it is very important that he do so. My original list of potential justices include many of our nation's brightest legal minds, such as Bill Pryor, Amy Coney Barrett, and outstanding people. Like those distinguished individuals, the 20 additions I am announcing today would be jurists in the mold of Justices Antonin Scalia, Clarence Thomas, and Samuel Alito. Their names like are as pick Robert. Bridget. Oh, I think I missed that. I think I missed that pun that he had made earlier. I wasn't even all the but he basically said something about uh, injustices or something like that, and it was just it just seemed rather fitting that he would say the word that he did with that. So um, anyway, let's go ahead and take the first commercial break. Come back, uh, take your calls as well. Uh, area code 914-803-4131. That is area code 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Day and Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. All right, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family. Because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Day and Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mmm, yeah. Greetings. This is Nimbus Josh host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life talking about all kinds of things, political things, nerdy things, fun things, not so fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear and no one else will? <laughs> Catch you on the team. Would you like to support Liberal Dan Radio? Would you like a shout out on the podcast or the minicast? 
Would you like to purchase advertising or sponsor a bit like Hypocrite of the Week or Words of Redneck Wisdom? You can even sponsor the whole hour. Then become a Liberal Dan Patreon. You can help me grow my audience, and for a limited time, first-hour advertisers will lock in their rates for the life of the podcast. Head on over to patreon.com slash liberaldan and support the show today. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. And also, if you're listening live, you can join us in the chat, leave comments there, questions, concerns, etc. And if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc. on the show thread at liberaldan.com, facebook.com slash liberaldan, or at liberaldanradio on Twitter. Uh, if you go to liberaldan.com, then you can always uh, see all the different ways that you can link to link up to Liberal Dan Radio and, and see what I'm doing. I'm adding some new stuff, uh, trying to in each different places. There's my YouTube channel. In order for me to be able to get the YouTube channel monetized, I need to have 1,000 subscribers. Uh, so if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, Liberal Dan Radio on YouTube, please do so. And also, uh, there's the Patreon, patreon.com slash Liberal Dan. And if I had if I had a thousand people doing uh, donating uh, ten bucks a month um, to support the podcast, I'd be able to do this full time and not have to worry about anything else. I think that would be awesome. Uh, if you think that would be awesome, do just check out the Patreon. You can get shoutouts just like Demonox, the first Liberal Dan Radio Patreon. He uh, is because uh, we'll be supporting some other things to the show. He also has a interesting uh a new i still have to listen to the podcast but you know i do like the concept of it because you know we're all nerds we're all going to form voltron one day and do a super podcast me him and my little brother percy podcast from the percy podcast nimbus yosh the host the most you can listen to the smooth sounds of the percy podcast at percy podcast on anchor.fm and also he is at Percy Podcast on Twitter as well, and he has a Patreon. You can support his show as well. Imagine that for for twenty bucks a month, thousand people supported us. Twenty twenty bucks a month, ten dollars a piece, we could have an amazing podcasting network. If, you know, on, you know, was it two cups of coffee? Two cups of coffee every month, you can support Liberal Dan Radio. Uh, anyway, whatever, 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 however they say it. Um, I'm sorry. Let me. Uh, what is it again? Adonis. It is what it is. Thank you, Tom. Uh, anyway, so uh, Woodward obviously came out with his book, or he is coming out with his book, and it includes uh, – he, he, he's had several on-the-record conversations, and some of those tapes, uh, some of the information from the tapes has been leaked. So from in February 7th, uh, this, is a convers- this is part of the conversation that Bob Woodward, Woodward had with President Trump. It goes through air, Bob. That's always tougher than the touch. You know, the touch, you don't have to touch things, right? But the air, you just breathe the air. That's how it's uh, passed. And so that's a very tricky one. That's a very delicate one. Uh, it's also more deadly than your, you know, your even your strenuous flus. This is more deadly. This is five per, you know, this is 5% versus 1% and less than 1%. You know, so... This is deadly stuff. Well, I 
so he took this. He knew how dangerous this was. This is February 7th, and I believe uh, what that was was that the date of the miracle comment. Let me let me look that up real quick because we had Trump go it go away like a miracle. There's a timeline of his post. That was after that where he, where he said that. What what was what was the comment? There was some comment on the 30th, I think it was. Maybe you know we did, we knew we had 15 people around Mardi Gras. That was that. Um, so we have timelines of the quotes. Let's see, what was he said around the 30th? Uh, 30th was only a five people. Hopefully, hopefully anything's going to be great. What did he say on, let's see, this was again on February 7th? It was, yes, February 7th is when that last clip was played. Uh, when, when that when when is when that last complaint was was made, February tenth looks by in April in theory when it gets a little warmer it miraculously goes away. I hope that's true. But we're going to we're doing great in our country, China. I spoke with President Xi, and they're working very very hard, and I think it's all going to work out fine. This is what he said on February tenth. Three days after, he said about how it has a five percent five percent rate. Uh, you know, five percent death rate, case death rate. Um, let's see. So then we've got the uh, March twentieth or something, or sometime in well, late I think March. Bob, really, to be honest with you, sure, I want you. To I be. wanted to. Uh, I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Yes, sir. Because I don't want to create a panic. He doesn't want to create. He wanted to play it down. He didn't want to, you know, a true leader uh, would would not play it down. He doesn't have to cause, doesn't have to cause a panic in playing it down. He he can just, you know, he he can or he does he he could not play it down and still cause no panic by being calm, rational, reasonable, reasonable. Uh, let's see. But March sixteenth. Um, we're getting rid of the virus. That's what we're doing. That's the best thing we can do, by the way, for the markets, for everything. It's very simple. It's very simple. We want to get rid of it. We want to have a very as few deaths as possible. This is a horrible thing. Okay, so that's not really that playing it down. Uh, but we cannot let the cure be worse than the problem itself. At the end of the 15-day period, we will make a decision uh, to which way we want to go. Um, we cannot, again, he talks about the cure being less than the Comment in regards March 24th. Easter is a very special day for me. I I want it in that timeline. I'm thinking about to say, wouldn't it be great to have all of the churches full on March 25th? Uh, nobody ever knew this thing like this would be possible. Nobody ever received something like that coming. Now we know, and we know it can happen and happen again. But I think that was after these comments to Woodward about how he downplayed it, and he said he had been downplaying it all this time. He had been, you know, what he's been saying to the American public was not truthful. It, it was. It was much more than that, and maybe I was wrong in the fact that I used to say all the time that uh, Donald Trump was um, Donald Trump was sugarcoating everything, and he sugarcoats everything to the point uh, where he has uh, is giving everybody diabetes uh, because he's sugarcoating everything so much, and that's part of the problem. Hey, but you know we do have you know the fact that it's it's beyond that now. It's beyond just sugarcoating. It's 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 
removing, you know, not talking about what, what else is actually on the coating to begin with. He's not talking about the problem that this is. He's saying that it should, you know, February 2nd, we pretty much shut it down coming in from China. That's false. Um, you know, all these quotes are, are him downplaying the threat so that we won't take it seriously. Maybe if he, you know, put a little, I'm not saying you have to cause mass hysteria and panic. Maybe if you put a little bit of fear into the people's hearts and minds over what this could do, and then it had a 5% uh, death rate at the time is what he believed it to be. You know, maybe people would have masked up. Maybe if he would have worn a mask, you know, but I'm sure, again, he didn't wear a mask because he didn't want to keep, well, if the president's wearing a mask, then we must have to panic, so therefore we're going to downplay it. We're going to downplay the risk. We're going to downplay we're not going to wear a mask. We're not going to set any sort of good example of what we need to do, again, because we want to downplay it. And that caused millions of people to get infected and hundreds of thousands of people now to die soon. There will be hundreds of thousands of people dead because we'll be hitting 200,000 very shortly because of Donald Trump and his actions. And I don't understand. I don't see how anybody could look at this and say uh, he's downplaying it and his irresponsible actions when it comes to the COVID-19. I don't understand how anybody could look at that and say, oh, well, that's that's not morally how anybody can say that that's not morally different, morally equivalent, I'm sorry, to murder. He's, he's murdering these people. It should be considered the same. He he is fully, he, again, the, the buck stops nowhere near him, but in reality, the buck stop, should stop right there. People should hold him accountable and responsible for the fact that his downplaying threat to this virus cause killed tens of thousands and now what will soon be hundreds of thousands of people in this country all on his shoulders. Those deaths are on his conscience. Those deaths are on his responsibility. But here's something else that one of my friends talked about, and I was thinking of the same thing as well. And I do want to, first of all, shout out Mississippi Mike uh, with uh, in, in the chat room. Welcome to the show, Mississippi Mike. Uh, you can ask any questions you want in the chat. More than welcome you to do so. Um, but anyway, the other thing that people, you know, that I, I was thinking about, and my friend brought this up too on my personal Facebook page, is this: Woodward knew. Woodward knew all this stuff too. So he's been sitting on this February, March. He knew. How, now, what was his responsibility? What did, did journalistic integrity? You know, that didn't forbade him from. I mean, did he make some deal with Trump that you're not going to go public with it until your book's out? Like, is having a book released that much more important than the lives of people who you're risking because you're sitting here knowing the president is making these conversations, making these comments, but you want to be able to write your book, right? So there should be a little bit of people who are pissed off at Woodward, like me. I'm one of them because um, Woodward, he knew, he knew that it was being downplayed and didn't report it. And yeah, I, people are going to say, well, he want to, again, that's no different than me criticizing Trump for him not wanting to uh, let the stock market suffer. He's putting money over lives. Woodward, because he didn't come forward with this until now, is also putting money over lives because if, there, if he didn't, he could have come forward with teasers of it. Look, I'm writing this book, and this is what Donald Trump said. You know, maybe it could have made a difference had he stepped forward now, and maybe he wouldn't have been able to write a book because maybe he would have 
he would have if he would have come forward in, in March and said, well, Donald Trump just admitted to me that he's downplaying the whole thing. Well, maybe that would have stopped Donald Trump from having any more on the record meetings with him. Well, oh, well, no, maybe you don't get to write your book, but you save lives, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of lives maybe could have been saved had he put his book on the back burner and said, look, the, the, the lives and the livelihoods of the people in this country are more important than my book project. So I think Woodward does deserve some of the blame here. I think he does deserve some scrutiny here as to why he waited so long, because your book is not as important. I, I, I'm not going to buy his book. You know, I, I would love to, you know, I, I want to cite it. But I'm not going to buy it. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and, and, and fund this person's account because he wanted to put lives over the livelihoods of the lot he wanted to put lives behind his making a profit, his making money on a book. Ridiculous, absurd. You know, going back to Trump there though, he why would he agree to go on the record like this and why would he say those things on the record to begin with? And there's rumbling that's coming from the White House, according to John Harwood, uh, to John J. Harwood on Twitter. White House staffers are upset with each other for failing to stop Trump from telling Woodward what he knew when about coronavirus, thus revealing that tens of thousands of lives could have been saved by stronger earlier action. So they're not angry that they that that they couldn't stop Trump from downplaying it. They're angry that they could have stopped Trump from saying that he downplayed it to somebody in the media. So therefore it is now revealed that not only he, was he, not only was he causing, you know, this problem by downplaying it, but, you know, he has now revealed that lots of other people are complicit as well. Cause it's not just Woodward that's come. How many other people in the white house on the staff on, on, on the task force knew about all this stuff and didn't come forward with it. Now, I might be willing to make the point that if you are a scientist and you have to try and figure out what's going to allow you to do the most good and save the most people's lives, do you come forward and say, well, this president's downplaying the, the threat that really exists? Do you come forward or do you, you know, feed the president's ego by telling him the things that he wants to hear? And then, you know, be able to be a part of the task force because if Fauci would have come forward and said, "Look, this guy is being an idiot. He is he is not taking this seriously. He is downplaying this virus. This virus is very urgent. So we need to take some urgent steps with it." Had Fauci done that, maybe he gets kicked off of the off of the task force, and then he's no longer able to have a positive impact on it. So the only people that I've perhaps willing to give a pass on this are people like Fauci and Briggs, people who are experts who had to make the informed decision of, oh, well, do I do this? Do I, do, I, do I come forward and say that this president is screwing up? Or do I pat his ego in the hopes that my being able to do so is going to allow me to stay on and save more lives in the long run? Maybe. Maybe I'll give them that pass, but everyone else, the ones who aren't experts, who still allow Donald Trump to downplay the virus, uh, who allow Donald Trump to get away with pretty much murdering American citizens on his watch, y'all are complicit too. whole bunch of people who are complicit. And if this isn't 
a reason to vote for Joe Biden and to dump this idiot in the in the I don't know what is. I don't know what is. I don't know. I don't know what else I could say to you that's going to convince you uh, to act otherwise. Right, let's go ahead. And, but then, of course, obviously, they hit the press secretary. The press secretary came out with some interesting stuff, too. We're going to talk about that after the break as well, taking your calls as well, 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Day and Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. All right, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family. Because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Day and Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mmm, yeah. Greetings. This is Nimbus Josh host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life talking about all kinds of things, political things, nerdy things, fun things, not so fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear and no one else will? <laughs> Catch you on the tune. Would you like to support Liberal Day and Radio? Would you like a shout-out on the podcast or the minicast? Would you like to purchase advertising or sponsor a bit like Hypocrite of the Week or Words of Redneck Wisdom? You can even sponsor the whole hour. Then become a Liberal Dan Patreon. You can help me grow my audience, and for a limited time, first-hour advertisers will lock in their rates for the life of the podcast. Head on over to patreon.com slash liberaldan and support the show today. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. Want to give a shout-out to Squeak Chair. Uh, the Squeak Chair is uh, what Nimbus Yosh hosts the most of the first podcast it's on. And every time I hear the little squeakiness or the creakiness coming from the chair during the commercials, I have to laugh. Anyway, so it brings me a chuckle. Of course, you can't hear it because I'm muted during the commercial breaks. But uh, as, as our president likes to say... Where is it? There it is. is what it is. 
There we go. So, all right. So then after, you know, Trump gave his, uh, or, or it was announced that Trump had downplayed this virus. And it's very important that he, he let, let's listen to that again. Let's listen to that second quote from March. Well, I think, Bob, really, to be honest with you, sure, I want you to I be. wanted to, uh, I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Yes, sir. Because I don't want to create a panic. He always wanted. Oh, now keep those words. He always played it down. It was always that little nugget in your head. As we're going to listen to some of the information that is being spewed at us from the again, this woman, she is the perfect press secretary for Donald Trump. But if you look at her facial expressions, clearly she was struggling today. She was struggling today with having to navigate the comments that were Donald Trump's idiocy. So first clip. Express calm. Play it down. It's playing it down. Is that is that expressing calm? It seems dishonest. It seems. Can you read the rest of the quote? That's how much they put in there. Oh, you excluded the last part. Please, please do. Please do explain. Please, of course, I deny that. And he makes clear that he doesn't want to see chaos. By the way, is the second part of the quote, which you failed to read. Um, The president, just days after having this discussion um, with Bob Woodward, said this from this podium on March 30th. He said. I do want them to stay calm. We are doing a great job. If you look at the individual statements, they're all true. Stay calm. Um, It will go away, but it's important to stay calm. So this president does what leaders do, good leaders. It's stay calm and resolute at a time when you face an insurmountable challenge. That's what this president So First of all, she she somewhat denied the whole downplay thing there. It's kind of muddled there in the middle, but she kind of uh, downplayed that right there. That's the first thing. The second thing, um, you know, towards the end, she also made the comment about insurmountable. She said that this is insurmountable? Really? More on that in a little bit, too, but let's go to the second clip. His attention span is like a minus number, and his sole purpose is to get reelected. That's according to veteran journalist Bob Woodward. I think the bottom line here is that the president, by his own admission, in private, on the record, acknowledged the depth of this crisis and yet told the American people something very different. How is that, at its core, not an abject betrayal of the public trust? The president has always been clear-eyed with the American people. He was always clear-eyed about the lives we could lose. Um, again, on the podium, he acknowledged that this was serious back in March, that 100,000, 200,000 lives could be lost. Um, and with regard to Dr. Fauci, you're referring to a quote he allegedly told Bob Woodward, and I can give you quotes that we can all play allegedly. on and video of him, saying that this response was impressive, and he can't imagine anyone under any circumstance doing anything better. Uh, Dr. Fauci saying this, I can just tell you, the president, uh, the first and only time I went and said, you need to do mitigation strongly, the response was yes, we will do it. The second time I went with Dr. Burks to the president and said 15 days to slow the spread are not enough, we need to go to 30 days. Obviously, there were a lot of people who had problems with that because of potential secondary effects. Nonetheless, the president went with the health recommendations. So there's a long litany of praise from Dr. Fauci, and you're referencing something he allegedly told Bob Woodward. It's, it's on tape. It's on tape, Kayleigh. Well, I'm reading, I'm reading to you what Dr. Fauci has oh. said very publicly for all to see, and we can all play those video clips. I can get them in your inbox. Yes. In public, though, February 28th, he says, one day, it's like a miracle, it will disappear. Well, it's, what? It's, one, it's one thing to, as, a, as a public figure not to try to incite 
panic. It's a very different thing, respectfully, uh, to lie and mislead the American people uh, about, no uh, about a crisis no that has claimed nearly 200,000 American no lives. No one is lying to the American people. One day COVID will go away. I think we can all hope for that day. Uh, we will have a vaccine because we're tearing through bureaucracy to get a safe and effective vaccine. One day it will go away. That is a fact. It is not inciting fear. This president has expressed calmness from this podium, mobilized the greatest mobilization of the private sector since World War II, uh, got more tests than any country in the world on COVID, a vaccine, which, by the way, it'll be a record for a novel pathogen. The timing of this vaccine, should we get it by the end of the year or should we get it even three years, which was the timing of Ebola? This president has done an unprecedented job dealing with COVID, um, one that Dr. Fauci even acknowledged. And like I said, I will get you that clip here in. Swine flu. Apparently, I think we had it in April. By October, we were getting uh, we were getting uh, vaccines out. April to October. So the amount of time that it took was very quick. Now, I don't know if swine flu was novel or not. So there's that. Uh, but but the development started. That they started development in April and they got it out in October. Six months. So I, I think that they're using some language there that's suspect. Uh, but again. You know, you know, go back to the testing. You know, testing isn't the end all and be all of it because, again, we've downplayed the testing. We've had so much. There's also something else to consider is that, you know, well, we'll talk about the whole testing versus the case because there's there's conservatives who are out there who are talking about case fatality rate versus, you know, fatality rate of the nation. And they're trying to say, oh, well, we only have like a 4.04% fatality rate because of, because they're taking the total deaths over total population. And, and she is talking about case fatality rate now. Um, I guess it's that's only good for them when it serves their purposes. But there's, there's we'll, we'll get in the case fatality rate in a bit because even because I think she's about how uh, low ours are, but th- there's, there's a point to be made there, and I'll, I'll make it that. You mentioned a few minutes ago that this is an insurmountable problem. I think that that's a, quite a point of dispute. If you look around the world, the United States leads the world in, in confirmed cases, in, in deaths from COVID-19. So doesn't the president have their responsibility for that record as well as the testing and, and the vaccine development that you're just talking about? Now, when you've looked at the rest of the world, um, in particular, the case fatality rate in the United States is about 3%. Uh, the world is 3.3%, the UK 11.9%, France 8.8%, Belgium 11.2%, and um, you can go through the various Western world countries that have dealt with COVID, and we've done a very good job. The case fatality rate notes that, and that's a testament to our therapeutics that the president has navigated. The, the case fatality rate is the metric that shows how well our response has done with therapeutics, and we are leading the world um, in having the lowest case fatality rate. It's a very important metric and one that's a testament once again to a president who ripped through barriers, getting us from desivere convalescent plasma and other very good working therapeutics. The convalescent plasma or plasma, as the president says, I think is only available to some of the more wealthier people. Uh, so there's that, first of all. Uh, second of all, um, yes, your, your case fatality rate is important, but it's not the end all and be all either. Yes, you need to look at case fatality rate of the virus to see how deadly it is. And, you know, if, if we're able to cut down on the, you know, with therapeutics and make our case fatality rate better than the world's, that's also a good thing, but not something that can exist in a vacuum. Because here's the thing. 
here's the thing that this president is failing to do and failing. He's failing to set the example. He's failing to stop the spread. So let's say, for example, that our case fatality rate was half the rest of the world. It's not. The rest of the world is about 3.3. We're three. But let's say it was half. Let's say there was everyone else who catch coronavirus, you catch COVID-19 in the, in the rest of the world, 6% case fatality rate, you die. So 6% of the people that catch it worldwide are dead. Let's just say that was the case fatality rate. It's not, but let's just say that it is, just for simplicity, math's sake. Now, let's say in America, we have a case fatality rate of 3%, right? So 3% of the people that are going to get it in America are going to die. And Taylor McKinney's McKinney is going to say, oh, well, that means we're better than the rest of the world. What happens then if you now have four times the cases of the rest of the world? You have four times the cases because you haven't fought the spread. You haven't stopped the virus from spreading. You've allowed it to spread more than what the rest of the world has allowed. So if you have four times the infection rate, I'm not saying that's the number, but let's hypothetically speaking here, you have four times the infection rate. It doesn't matter that you have half the case fatality rate because you have quadrupled the infection rate. So therefore, two times as many people are going to be dying because you have a higher, a four times higher infection rate. That's offset the fact that, that they have a two times higher death rate. You're now going to have two times more people dying in your country. Why? Because you haven't taken the entirety of it seriously. You're only focusing on that one thing, and that's part of the problems uh, with uh, Kayla McKennedy and and her 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 only focusing on the case fatality rate and not looking at everything else. Only looking at case fatality rate in a vacuum is absurd. Is wrong. You mentioned the president is very focused on on the response there. Then why does the president have thousands of people, many? not wearing masks at a, at a rally last night in, you know, in, in a state that has limited outdoor gatherings to 50 people. Why is he going to Nevada this, this weekend to hold similar outdoor rallies, uh, gathering these large numbers of, uh, of people in violation of his administration's own guidance and of the best advice and guidance of local officials who he has said should have the final say in these matters? People have a First Amendment right, if they so choose, to show up and express their political no. opinion in the form of a peaceful protest, which is what um, the president held. And there's a real double standard here. CNN had on a guest, no. apparently a doctor, uh, Rob Davidson, who said, now, true, there are social distancing issues with regard to the protests we've seen around the country. <coughs> However, this is a public health crisis. They are marching against systemic racism. So if you're allowed to march in aggregate um, in those protests, you're also allowed to show up at a political rally. You have a First Amendment right in this country. You do not have the First Amendment right. You do not have the constitutional right to allow yourself to use as a as a vector of transmission to infect other people or harm other people. The Sturgis rally had is now being said to be responsible for 260,000 people being infected. Now, the 3% case fatality rate, let's do the math here real quick. Uh, so you have, let's bring it up, 260, 200, no, I'm still not typing it right, 260,000 times 0 0.03, we have a 3% case of the rate, according to Kevin McKinney, 7,800 people will have died because of surgery. And most likely what the unfortunate thing is, 
many of those people won't be people who are around the people who went to Sturgis. People, many of, many of the people who went to Sturgis who have who got this virus uh, are, may very well not get sick and die. But the people that have they've been around, seventy eight hundred of them will get sick and die uh, because people aren't taking this seriously because the people are allowing themselves to become vectors of transmission. And the government has a responsibility to stop the spread of disease. You do not have the constitutional right to spread the disease of the people. Now, do I wish that everybody who marched in these protests, Black Lives Matter, protests, et cetera, do I wish that they would um, you know, do so in a safe way? Yeah, from what I've seen, there's a vast majority of these people are wearing masks. You know, part, some of them are wearing masks to stop themselves from being identified, and that's fine. But still, at the end of the result, is they're still masking up. They're still preventing the spread of the disease because they have masks on. So when they're not being socially distant, many of them are masking. Some of them obviously are not because you can watch and you can see. And I've seen it. I've seen a couple of people without masks. I've seen people wearing masks like chin masks and being an idiot with the chin mask. It's fine, you know. And, and I wish they, they would do better. But the idea that, you know, you look at a Trump rally and almost all of them lack masks. I think the one they held today, they put people with masks behind them. And even then, they couldn't get 100% of people wearing masks, people behind them. Because in front of them, nobody really wore a mask. So the president who doesn't set the – doesn't set the example, who's not responsible, the buck stops nowhere near him, and he wants to continue to, to try and blame, you know, these Black Lives Matter protests when his – events are super spreaders. His campaign convention, the, the presidential convention for the Republican Party was, was surprised it did not show up as a super spreader event. You mentioned the president is very focused on, on, on the response there. Then why does the president have thousands of people, many not wearing masks that are... I think we heard that one already. Let's, let's, let's play this one. Um, how can a president bear no responsibility for the 200, almost 200,000 lives lost when he downplayed the virus initially, and he knew that it, how contagious and deadly it was. I don't understand how that came. The president never downplayed the virus. Once again, the president... Lie! Uh, the president... Again, we... Have, I'm going to stop it right there. We have it on... Here it is. Woodward from March. Well, I think, Bob, really, to be honest with you... Sure, I want you to I be. wanted to... Uh, I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Yes, sir. Because I don't want to create a panic. Yeah, he doesn't want to create a panic. He doesn't want to downplay it. You know, he doesn't want to downplay it. Simple as that. That's what he said. He's not, he, he is playing it down. So when Kaylee McKennedy says that the press secretary, the president, has he never said that. Well, he did say it. I just played it. And so she's lying. She is a liar. She is the liar in chief's press secretary liar. Mario, how can the president bear no responsibility for the 200, almost 200,000 lives lost when he downplayed the virus initially and he knew that it, how contagious and deadly it was? I don't understand how that came. The president never downplayed the virus. Once again, the president. Uh, the president was serious about this when Democrats were pursuing their sham impeachment. Uh, he was expressing calm, and he was taking early action, and his actions are reflective of how seriously he the, took COVID. The, the tact that he took, the language that he used, no, you said that he used hopeful language. Does, does he regret that, given where we are now? No, this president embodied the American spirit that when we face 
a challenge, a crisis, a pandemic. Uh, we come together. We can be optimistic. We can be serious about it. We can take it seriously with our actions, which is exactly what this president does. It's why we lead the world in testing, uh, doing far more than the number two, which is India. He took this seriously, but he still expressed calm. Our food supply chains were at risk that we could not have mass runs on grocery stores. Uh, the markets um, also, the economy was in play here. Um, we didn't want to, there to be a huge crash and panic. He expressed calmness from this podium, but he has always taken it seriously, and the response, an unprecedented response, really reflects that. And if you watch her during this particular clip, specifically, she is struggling. To, I don't know if she's struggling to keep a, a straight face. I don't know if she's struggling. Well, what she's struggling to do, you know, but, I mean, it's just to be able to weave this whole thing and try and make sure that she navigates the lies effectively. I mean, she's having a hard time with it. Clearly, she's having a hard time with it. Anyway, let's go ahead and play the last clip. Yes. Thanks, Kaylee. Um, I wanted to ask you about the uh, AstraZeneca trial. So does that throw a spanner in the works that they've halted those trials in terms of getting a vaccine quickly? And, uh, and then I have a follow-up. Yeah, so the AstraZeneca um, paused their trials. Um, phase three clinical trial um, was a routine response when, they, when you see an adverse um, effect, and it was one that shows that the science is guiding the way here. Um, and when there was an adverse response that was identified in one individual, AstraZeneca chose to, pop, to pause that phase three clinical trial. There are still two American vaccines in phase three clinical trials showing great promise. Um, but, you know, AstraZeneca, what is happening there is showing that the science is guiding the way on a vaccine, which is what Dr. Fauci, um, others like Alex Azar and the president have said all along. Still confident that you'll see a vaccine sort of before the end of the year? By the end of the year is the goal, yes. So because there was some discussion about seeing something around the time of the election, so do you think it delays that? Our timing is not about the election. It is about saving lives, and by the end of the year has always been our goal. But, of course, um, a safe and effective vaccine, we will take it as quickly as we can get it. And, you know, when I first was hearing this clip, uh, I was um, – I was I was expecting her to say exactly what she said. Oh, this is proof that we're following the science. Well, it's it's proof that you're rushing it, and that maybe you shouldn't be rushing it as bad because you're seeing the adverse effects in in this one clinical trial. Yeah, there's two left, but maybe rushing it is a bad thing. Maybe you need to take a step back and be like, let's let's take take a more measured approach. Look, if the scientists say that one is ready and safe, I'll believe the scientists when they say it, but. I, I will have a hard time, you know, even with Fauci at this point, because, you know, he, yeah, he's doing what he's doing to try and save lives, I think, but he still won't counteract the president enough as needed. And I, I wonder where, where the line gets drawn, where Fauci just says, you know what, this is enough, I've had it, too many people have died, I need to step up and say this, I understand this is going to cause me to be forced out of the, out of the, uh, out of the task force, but, you know, I need to say something because... It is what it is. <laughs> um, so, but it, it's... We have a president who's now shown... Yeah, even if this hadn't come out, I would have told you that President Trump is responsible for the deaths of 200,000 people nearly, simply because of the fact he's unwilling to do what needs to be done to stop this virus. He's putting money over the profit profited money over the lives of people. He's, he's, he's 
being dangerous is actually acting in a dangerous way. But these tapes now prove that not only was he just sugarcoating things in order to make things look prettier, he was actually downplaying them and making them seem that they were making them seem better than they really were. That in his downplaying caused so many deaths. And I don't understand if you're pro-life, how do you say, how can you support this? If you're, you know, how can you, anybody just look at the actions of this president and be like, you know what, this is, this is terrible. We cannot elect him again. But when you look at press secretary and, and what, when you have a press secretary that says he never downplayed it, um, and, and they're probably going to rest on it. It's like, well, I said he didn't downplay it. He said he played it down. Like, what's the difference? There's no difference between playing something down and downplaying it. It's the same thing. So you have a president, you know, we have a press secretary now who, who is, you know, now been caught in a saying a something that was factually untrue. I'm not going to say she lied because it, it, maybe she didn't realize that he said what he said. I mean, she maybe shouldn't have her job if she didn't realize that he said what he said. Um, but it's, he said what he said, and she didn't know. But now, but it's shown to her that she, she did say that. If she continues to say that he did downplay, then yeah, he's going to be. She'll be shown to be just completely unreliable. Another unreliable story. One of many unreliable people acting as press secretary uh, for this president. Who, who, I mean, again, because she's the perfect pick for him to be press secretary, it automatically shows that we should not trust or believe anything that comes out of her mouth. But She's just proven it. Anybody who thinks that she's trustworthy now can can now look at her saying uh, Trump never said, he never said, she said that he never said that he was downplaying it. And in reality, he said well, I again. Think, Bob, really, to be honest with you, sure, I want you to. I be. wanted to. Uh, I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Yes, sir. Because I don't want to create a panic. Okay, so yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, funny thing, the comedian I talk about sometimes, Jal Chauvin, the one who does the only really good impression of Donald Trump. He, my wife, it's like I was watching the, the tapes earlier of what they did play of them, and, and I, I couldn't tell whether or not it was this guy or or Trump. So I mean, that just tells you how good of an imitation he does. Anyway, let's go ahead and call it end to this episode of Liberal Dan Radio Talk from the Left. That's right. I will be back next Wednesday, 8 p.m. Central, blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. Taking your calls as well, you can go uh, facebook.com slash liberaldan, uh, at liberaldan radio on Twitter. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel, liberaldan radio on YouTube. I have a TikTok channel as well. Check that out. A couple other things, go to liberaldan.com for all the different ways that you can follow on me on social media and all the different ways you can support the show as well. I guess until next week, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. 